Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I am Jason Kong here with attorney Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you today? Hey, Jason. Doing fine. Hope you are. I am, you know, between getting ready for Valentine's Day and catching up on the Winter Olympics, it's it's busy, but I'm excited for the show today. Uh, no question about it. You know, if you can just keep up with our North Carolina weather, you know, from, <laughs> you know, one day it's snowing and the next day it's balmy. So, you know, it's uh, throws us for a curve, that's for sure. Um but yeah, I mean, what, first of all, I think we need to at least uh, remind all the fellows out there that Valentine's Day is just uh, around the corner. Um, isn't it Monday? It's on Monday. So don't, don't mess that up. For those of us who are not prepared, uh, we still have two days left. To uh, I, There's some commercial that I've been listening to that, uh, of course, it's always from a jewelry store. But it's like, fellas, if you didn't get it right over Christmas, uh, this is your time to, to repair the damage done. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for, uh, you know, it seems like all of the, uh, um, uh, these holidays or special days are, are uh, thought up by the jewelry stores uh, for the ladies. Uh, you, you know, there's there's truly very few things out there for us men. You know, it it gets um, uh, well. You, you know, f- speaking for for the men out here, it's like this is unfair. <laughs> but you need to capitalize on that. Yeah, give the gift of asset protection this yeah, yeah, well, Valentine's no, Day. I'm season. not going there. That 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 would be where that advertisement. Uh, about uh, repairing the damage uh, would would come into play, uh, no question about it. But for for those folks uh, who need to think about either their wives or their girlfriends or their daughters, um, you know, you you better get out there and do your thing. I mean, because the the fact is is that we we can't overcome these jewelry store marketing. Uh, folks that, um, uh, you know, now for me, uh, I actually have all, almost all of my special occasions wrapped into a seven week period, you know, Christmas, anniversary, birthday, Valentine's Day. The only thing I'm missing is Mother's Day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so. That's convenient. Yeah, I guess, I guess it is. But now let's, you know, I, actually, I think both uh, men and women enjoy the Olympics. And, of course, I, I'm sure that uh, folks have at least been tuning in to some degree uh, to the Olympics. Uh, you know, the Americans have uh, fared only, eh, not so great. There's, you know, not too many gold medals at, at, at this point, although some have been just absolutely spectacular, but I, you know, most of us and a lot of folks think, oh, the U.S. is always going to dominate, and that has just not been true for the Winter Olympics at all. Uh, lots of countries have done extraordinarily well, uh, and that's really, you know, uh, something uh, special uh, to appreciate uh, the fact that we're just part of this big world and and there are lots of very special people all around the world and you know that that thing uh, I think that's 
um, pretty cool to think about. But uh, in fact, um, one of the things that uh, throws me for a loop just thinking, because I like to think futuristically, you know, what, what the world will look like. And, and the fact is, is that the United States um, intellectually uh, will have a difficult time dominating in, in the future un, unless we do a better job of focusing on that. And, it, well, I mean, this, let me throw a fact out. I may have done this before many years ago, Jason, but you probably don't remember. You know, most of the things I say go in one ear and out the <laughs> other for most folks, and I get that. But it's still fun to think about. Uh, now, this is a little fun fact that will blow your mind, or at least it did for me. Uh, and that is this. Um, there are more gifted and talented, in other words, brilliant children in India, all right, than there are children in the United States. Wow, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> well, think about that. You know, China's another place that, that you know, in essence, what it boils down to is why they're much bigger. They have much bigger populations. And when you think about the percentage of, of children in those populations that are truly brilliant, gifted, talented, and the whole bit, it's amazing that the Americans do as well as we do. <laughs> you know, it, it's, um, but, but from an intellectual perspective, it's like, where is the United States' advantage today? It's actually in high tech. Uh, but can we sustain that 20, 30, 40 years from now? It's going to be really, really hard to do um, unless the United States continues to focus there. You know, another thing that a lot of folks don't realize is that we're not the leaders in mid-tech in other words, uh, you know, when you get below high tech, uh, countries like Russia are well ahead of us, and and that, and you you may say, well, how is that? It's because they they know they're not at, at you know the leaders in high tech, so they put a lot of focus on. Uh, mid-tech, how to sustain it, how, how to improve it, how to make batteries last longer, how to, uh, you, you know, what, uh, how to make their tools work better, longer, things like that. Um, and, and so they, it's not that they've given up on high tech, it's just that they realize where their advantages are. And, and so it's kind of thing where when you think about it, we're very fortunate to be where we are in, in order to, because to, I know that if you're like most Americans, we want to win, <laughs> you know. And uh, one thing, if nothing else, that the Olympics should teach us, and I, you know, frankly, I learned this lesson many, many years ago, and uh, I have to tell you, it was uh, when I finished high school, and, I, you know, I thought, hey, 
I got the world conquered, you know, and a lot of kids from high school think that. And then uh, I ended up on a freshman hall at Davidson College. Now, Davidson is qu quite a school. I mean, it's it. Well, the bottom line is, boy, did I have a come down because everybody on the hall was, it seemed, smarter, faster, better. <laughs> you know, you know, when I thought I had conquered the world and I got to Davidson and saw that there were, you know, every other kid there was in the same league, if not a higher league than I was, it, it was like, ooh, uh, I need to buckle down or I'm going to uh, be way behind the curve. That's one of the things that Davidson taught me, but uh, it, it, uh, it it's interesting. Uh, but the Olympics should teach us that, you know, uh, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how good you are at doing something. There's always somebody that's better. <laughs> and for most of us, there are a lot of folks who are better at it. <laughs> <laughs> we try. And, you know, and, and so the the advantage for us in terms of is trying to be really good at, at something. Uh, you know, that's why I focus on estate planning and tax planning uh, and specialized planning. But what I do is, you know, it's a little piece of a much, much bigger pie. Now, if you ask me about how to how to do other things no I, i'm not particularly good at that and, and fortunately there are other folks who are and so it's finding the good folks good advisors uh that can uh help you in those areas where you're you know we can't be good at everything you know and uh, they're uh and it's not necessarily all about schooling it it uh, there are lots and lots of folks who are really good business people, and it's not necessarily because they went to the best schools. It's just because they're good with people. They know how to to make money properly, ethically, uh, and they do a really good job. And people like to work with them because they are so good at what they do. You know, it's uh, and we all have we all have our good things and our bad things. You know, that's what makes us uniquely human. Uh, and, and, you know, we just can't be good at everything. That's, uh, if nothing else. Well, I mean, things, one of the things I think about, I mean, people think I'm silly at times, but it's kind of thing where one thing that there are a lot of people who are really good at it is cooking. Now, how important is that to us? I mean, that's huge, is it not? <laughs> and so... Uh, but it's the I mean, it's the kind of thing where because we're different, you know, you have different ethnicities and you have different styles of cooking. And and I'm sure that you grew up, Jason, enjoying certain types of food that I probably did not. Uh, it's not that I can't enjoy that. It's just that, you know, uh, people are are. Uh, and, and just think of how many wonderful restaurants there are out there and how many folks cook at home and they're just absolutely fabulous at it. But the fact is, is that all of us have different types of appetites. So, okay, just because you're good at this one type of cooking doesn't mean you're really good at all the others. 
I'll, you know, it's, I'll give something away. Back many years ago when I was in uh, my college roommate, I visited him at his home in Philadelphia. And uh, he uh, came from a wonderful family, and he took me out to a French restaurant. So I was, what, 21 years old or so. Uh, I could have been a little older, or I don't remember exactly, but many, many years ago. Well, I had never been to a French restaurant ever in my life. <laughs> and so this was a first, and it was a swanky restaurant. It was really nice. And they served me green beans. Have you ever been to a French restaurant know what a French green bean tastes like? I do not know what a French green bean tastes like. Well, it's I guess you call it blanched, and I wouldn't have known that word back then. But in essence, it's almost raw. And I had never had, I mean, the first bite of green beans, and I was like, yuck. <laughs> in other words, I was used to Southern cooking. And, you know, you know, Southerners cook their green beans. Uh, <laughs> and I had never had one like this. And it was like, I'm not sure if I like French food. <laughs> so, you know. To each our own. We're all different. We enjoy different things, and we need to be in a place where we can appreciate the differences. I think that's so important for us. Uh, now, I know you're ready to take a break. I've been having too much fun with this stuff. But when we come back, I want to talk about language that lawyers use that confuses everybody else. <laughs> well, we're going to break out our lawyer, Rosetta Stone, here in just a bit. Uh, I am enjoying the idea of you trying blanched green beans, though. That's, that's going to stick with me for a while. Don't go anywhere. And, hey, don't forget, you can learn more about Bill. If you want to schedule an appointment to speak with him, you can do that by going to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. From there, you can book an appointment. Or if you want to learn more about Bill's free webinars, which we will be discussing uh, a little bit more in depth right after this, you can go to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. A quick break and back with more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about him by going to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, before the break, we were discussing that there's often a lot of confusing terms in the, the legal world. And we're going to help uh, break out our Rosetta Stone and help us understand some of those terms. Well, I'm not going to try to you know, do all lawyer words, uh, just the one. I, I want to talk about some of the words that are used in estate planning, if you will. And the fact is, is that most uh, most folks, uh, when they go to a lawyer, uh, one of the reasons they get so confused is that we unfortunately use words 
that sound like a foreign language to most people. It's like, you have no clue what these words mean. And I get that. I really do, because it's really important for me, for my clients, to understand what it is we're trying to do and how it gets done. And, and it's really important for folks to understand how their plans work. And it's sort of like this. If somebody put a contract in front of you that was written in Greek, you wouldn't have a clue what was in that contract. Well, truthfully, that's one of the reasons that people have a difficult time understanding estate planning, whether it's a will or a trust or a power of attorney or whatever it is. I mean, there are lots of words that people have never heard before, never used before, and might as well be Greek. <laughs> so, you know, uh, to me, uh, it's really important that uh, folks are uh, get somewhat familiar so that they, they don't um, feel, I mean, it's not because they're dumb, it's because we use words that are Greek to you. And, you know, I, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, this is why we get to charge so much money, because we get to use words that you don't understand, <laughs> right? So, okay, well, let's talk about some of the terms that are really important um, in estate planning. Well, one word that or two words that we use frequently are principal and fiduciary. And, okay, now, principal can be, uh, it's sort of like some English words that have two different meanings, and principal can have different meanings in different contexts. So here I am confusing you right off. All right, so uh, in, in essence, in a power of attorney, the principal is the person, the person who signs, creates the document. In other words, if I create a power of attorney appointing you as my power of attorney or agent, there are lots of different words like that, I'm the principal in the document. And if I appoint you as the person who can sign my name for me or act on my behalf, then you're my fiduciary, all right? And so uh, those terms are really, really important in estate planning. Now, just to confuse you, principle in a trust document doesn't mean the person. It means the corpus of the trust. In other words, the property inside the trust can either be principle which is the corpus, that's, or income. And income is the income that's generated by the principal. Okay, so here you go. One word that has two different meanings depending on how you use it. So, you know, and, and quite frankly, there are lots of words in the English language that are that way. And that's one of the reasons that for folks where English is not the first language, English can be very, very confusing because of this, and it's just part of our language. But um, so principle is the person who creates um, the power of attorney. Well, a power of attorney, that's another one. 
uh, is a document where you are authorizing someone else to act on your behalf and typically to sign your name. And there are two basic kinds of powers of attorney. One, which we normally call a general durable power of attorney, simply is for finances. It's, it is uh, to be able to deal with your property, and your property could be your bank account, your investments, your life insurance. Uh, it, 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 basic, it can be your home. It can be all of any, any, anything that deals with your finances or your property uh, would be part of that. Uh, and then you have a health care power of attorney, uh, which is also very important because all of us, even when we're healthy, have times where we do not have the ability to communicate. And that's when your health care agent at basically can make decisions on your behalf. But, I mean, if you've ever been in surgery and put to sleep, you can't communicate. <laughs> you know, those, those are the—and, and of course, for seniors, there are lots of other times when folks cannot communicate for a hundred different reasons. So healthcare powers of attorney uh, are very, very important. Now, the fact is that when you create a power of attorney, most people have normally said, well— I'm your power of attorney. Now, I'm good with that, but actually that's not correct. Um, the old term that has been that would properly be used would be I'm your attorney in fact as opposed to your attorney at law. I'm an attorney at law, but I can also be an attorney in fact. Doesn't that confuse you already? Well, actually the legislature did us a favor and they actually changed the terms that is in the statute from attorney-in-fact to agent. That's a whole lot easier to understand because you're, if you're acting on my behalf, you're my agent, right? And that's true whether you're acting on my behalf for healthcare purposes under a healthcare power of attorney or you're acting on my behalf for financial purposes, and that would normally be a general durable power of attorney. Now, there's also another kind of, and you have to understand, all general powers of attorney are not alike. In fact, they're as different as night and day, white and black, gray, whatever, because attorneys do these things very differently. And, you know, I talk all the time about how most seniors who have a trusted person that they can name as their agent, need an advanced power of attorney that gives lots and lots of authority that a normal general durable power of attorney does, does not give. Um, and that's something that I talk about a lot. Now, I just used another term that confuses folks, and that's durable. What the heck does that mean? I mean, does it mean that'll stand up <laughs> to time and weather? No. Durable basically came about the time, well, 45 years ago, about the time I started practicing law, where you can execute a document that continues to be valid and usable if you become incompetent. You know, in other words, you're in la-la land. You can't manage your own 
uh, affairs anymore. And of course, um, that happens to a lot of folks. Now, good news is we're presumed to be competent even if we make mistakes, and all of us make mistakes. Uh, and that helps us, but there are times where we really shouldn't be managing our property for lots of different reasons. And uh, basically, a durable power of attorney basically says my agent can act on my behalf using the powers I've given them in this document, um, even if I can't deal with things anymore on my own. Now, when I started practicing law, that was not the case. If you became incompetent, you had to go to court and have guardianship. And any power of attorney that you signed earlier was void at the time you became incompetent. It was not durable. But uh, And I've seen a couple of those old powers of attorney in, in the last uh, 30 years, but it's very, very rare uh, to, to see that. Uh, it's, uh, it, it would be very unusual because, quite frankly, that's the time where a power of attorney actually is needed the most is when people can't manage their own affairs. Uh, now, with that said... I'm going to the next level, which is really important, and you're probably ready to take a break. So when we come back, I want to talk about the person that you've appointed as your agent, and under North Carolina law and every other state, that makes that person a fiduciary. Now, what does that mean? I'll talk about it when we come back. We will get the explanation of what a fiduciary is and does in just a bit. Don't forget, if you want to learn more from Bill, if you have uh, an interest in doing some estate planning or maybe you want your documents reviewed, you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill by going to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. That's also where you can find more information about Bill's free webinars. Bill just wrapped up a set this past Wednesday. Bill has two webinars that he does every month, the second Wednesday of the month. The morning session deals with long-term care assistance. This deals with Medicaid and VA benefits and financial assistance that may be available to you dealing with long-term care issues. And the afternoon session deals with asset protection and trust planning. You can learn more by going to wgalaw.com and clicking on the seminars button at the top of the page. These webinars are free to attend. It's free to register. Wonderful educational opportunities for you to learn more from Bill. wgalaw.com. Just click on the seminars button to learn more about Bill's free webinars. The next set happening on Wednesday, March 9th. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about him by going to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com is Bill's website. From there, you can schedule an appointment to speak with him or you can register for Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, March 9th. 
If you want to learn more about the subjects of long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning, go to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we are discussing some estate planning lingo, some terms that we may hear and uh, maybe not quite grasp. I know that's the case for many of these for me, Bill, but just before the break, we were talking about the term fiduciary. Right. Well, uh Pretty easy. I mean, if you think about it, if you appoint your spouse or your child or some other person uh, to be your agent under your financial power of attorney, uh, or you appoint a person to be your agent under your health care power of attorney, or you've appointed a trustee to act on your behalf under a trust agreement, each designation has a fiduciary duty to you. And that's really important. Uh, And so a fiduciary is a person, or business even, um, where you've appointed them to act on your behalf, and they have a legal responsibility to act on your behalf uh, in a very highly ethical, best interest manner. Um, In other words, they have to act in your best interest. They have to act in good faith. Um, And they, in other words, they have a duty to you to act responsibly. Uh, And that's really important to you to know. Now, North Carolina uh, has certain rules with fiduciaries that to me are really important. Number one, and I love this rule, is that my fiduciary must act on my behalf in the way that I want them to act. In other words, if I've told them or if I've written them instructions on how to do things on my behalf, it's their duty to do what I want. So that, uh, in other words, it's not a substituted judgment. Just because you're my agent doesn't mean that you should go off and do what you think is best. It's what I think is best. And I like that. That's not true in every state. But every state has rule number two. It's just that in some states it's rule number one. And the second rule in North Carolina is if you don't know what I would do, then it's your duty to do what's in my best interest. And a best interest rule is extremely important. In other words, it's it's not legal for you to steal my money or to use my money in a way that's inappropriate or, or to waste it or because any of those things are not in my best interest. Now, I'll, I'll also tell you that at this point, your financial advisor, at least as it relates to your retirement accounts, now for the first time has a fiduciary duty to you in terms of your investments. That's not been true in the past. Your financial advisor, uh, as long as it was called an appropriate uh, investment recommendation, it didn't have to be in your best interest. Now financial advisors 
have a fiduciary duty to you to act in your best interest when they give you advice on your retirement accounts. That's huge. It's a big change. What does it mean? It means that they not only have to make good recommendations, but they also have to make the recommendations at the lowest possible cost to you. So they can't May, if there's a similar fund that costs less, that basically produces similar results to one where they make more money, it's their duty to basically recommend the one that costs less for you. Now, you know, that's going to be so in essence, because if it costs less, you make more money and it, that's in your best interest. Well, that's sort of how the best interest rule works for financial advisors now for retirement accounts. And I think that's a very, very healthy thing because, quite frankly, so many people in the past thought that their financial advisor had a duty to act in their best interest when the law really didn't say that until now. Well, you know, that peace of mind goes a long way in understanding that what a fiduciary is and should do is uh, it's helpful. It's very helpful. So mm -hmm. uh, don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com if you want to learn more about Bill or schedule an appointment to speak with him. WGALaw.com. It's also where you can go to register for Bill's free webinars. Next set happening on Wednesday, March 9th, if you want to learn more about the subjects of long-term care assistance as, as well as asset protection and trust planning and you can also call the office if you want more information that phone number is 919-256-7000 919-256-7000 we're going to take a quick break and bill we're going to get into some more asset protection talk i know you've got a client story you want to share with us so we'll do that right after this you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander and we will be right back Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about Bill by going to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and Bill, it's always helpful to learn from others, and uh, you always have uh, important lessons that others have learned, and we're going to get one of those lessons where it comes to asset protection. Well, you know, folks know that I do a lot of asset protection for clients, and it's important for folks to understand how asset protection can work for you. And and I have found at least it's sometimes uh, far more beneficial to folks to um have examples because th that helps people put the theory into practice, if you will. So it makes it far more understandable uh, in terms of uh, how things work. And one of the things that I talk about in terms of asset protection is that if you want to do it right, if you want to do it effectively so that uh, someone can't come behind you and rip what you've done up and get to your property anyway, then you have to do it 
when times are good. You have to do it before there is a problem. Uh, because the rules change on you once a problem has occurred. And it's, in other words, if, if, if you've made a mistake, if you owe somebody money, um, then at the time that you know of the problem, then you can create a greater problem for yourself depending on what you do. So anyway, I wanted to share a, uh, a story of a, f- a fellow who came in recently, and uh, it, it, I thought it was all about doing his documents. In other words, doing some basic documents. He had a fairly simple situation, at least on the surface. <laughs> and that is, uh, he was divorced, um, unmarried, uh, you know, in other words, he hadn't remarried. Uh, he did have a girlfriend. He was retired, uh, had two children, uh, and but one, and he wasn't particular. He had a decent relationship with both of his children, uh, but I would not call it a close relationship uh, with his children. And he had a daughter who lived overseas. He lived in this area, Raleigh area. His daughter lived overseas, and he he had a daughter and a son, and his son lived on the West Coast. Okay, so neither one of them close by. Uh, His girlfriend actually lived a couple hours away, so she wasn't in his life on a day-to-day basis, uh, for sure. Um, But the, the bottom line is he really... Uh, only had one asset, and that was his home. And that was it. (laughs) Okay, he had very little money in the bank to protect. Uh, And, uh, you know, he he had a couple old cars, you know, that sort of thing, but not not the kind of thing that... So it was really important to him uh, as it related to protecting his home, or at least from my perspective. And uh, you know, he started asking me questions like, um, uh, should I put my home in an LLC? Uh, and, I, and I said, no, you, that would not be a good idea, even though LLCs do afford some asset protection. Uh, when you're talking about, you know, LLCs are for business property, not your primary residence. And I said, hey, you, you put your home into an LLC and you'll lose your tax exemption, which is if you need to sell your house later on uh, and you've lived in your house uh, while it's in your name for two out of the past five years, you have what's called a 121 exemption, which is um, a $250,000 exemption on any profit that you might make from the sale of your home. And so it was, uh, it was like, hmm, okay. And uh, so I said, that's not a really good idea. Uh, I would not recommend it. Now, at this point, I didn't know that we were dealing with anything more than just a normal situation where his home was paid for and the like. And so the next question was, well, should I put my home into an irrevocable trust? And I was going, no, that probably is not a good idea for you. Um, 
we can use an irrevocable trust and retain your 121 exemption, that 250000 We can create an irrevocable trust that um, uh, also uh, will give your children a step up in basis uh, upon your death. That's another thing I need to talk about on the show because so many folks have no clue what that means. But it's really important in terms of not having capital gains tax for your kid, but it happens at your death. So we'll talk about that more lately, but later. But uh, that the I want to get to this story. Okay, so anyway, I was saying I think it's more important for you as a single person to have full control of your house, not having an irrevocable trust, because if you have an irrevocable trust, you have to have somebody else as trustee and you won't have control over it anymore. And at least in my experience, control and independence are two very important things to those of us who are getting older. <laughs> okay. It's also important to you too, Jason. But but I'm just saying that it becomes more and more important as we accumulate property. We want, we want to stay independent and we want to stay in control. And I was just saying, I don't see any reason you know, because number one, you're going to create a five-year look-back problem if you need Medicaid in the future. And I, I said, look, we can protect your house if you need Medicaid in the future as long as we have a good power of attorney uh, in order to do that. Um, thinking his situation was normal, other than the fact that he had very little to protect other than his home. And everybody wants to protect our home. And we have lots of different ways of doing it. And so uh, it, then I found out that uh, he and his brother had hired a lawyer in Florida to sue somebody else. And he was complaining about his lawyer. I hear this from time to time. Uh, but then he said, and the, and the lawyer sent us a bill for $100,000. And I'm going, Oh, so you owe the lawyer, you and your brother together, $100,000. And he said, uh, well, they sent us a bill. They did a terrible job. Uh, they, they didn't do what needed to be done. Uh, and you know, in essence, they lost the case. And I was going, well, it sounds to me like you owe them the money. And I said, now I understand why you're asking all of these questions. Well... When you know you have a debt, and this is the part about asset protection when times are good. You know, if you owe somebody $100,000, times are not good. <laughs> okay, so I said, now you have different rules that apply to you. And if you transfer your property into your LLC or to an irrevocable trust, that could be considered um, a uh, fraudulent transfer. Now, that's not criminal fraud. It's civil fraud. But your creditors can undo a uh, what's, we, what's called a fraudulent transfer. Uh, and when you know, uh, and in other words, if you transfer your property without equivalent value, in other words, you could sell your house, but to transfer it without consideration would be, in his case, a fraudulent transfer that the lawyers in Florida could unwind otherwise. And I said, 
and this is another this for for young lawyers out there who are not privy to asset protection rules and may have forgotten the fraudulent transfer rules from from law school days. I then said, now that I know this, there's no way I would help you transfer your home to an irrevocable trust or to an LLC for fear that I'd be sued for conspiring with you to protect uh, property in an unlawful way. And so it's the kind of thing where, no, I'm, I'm not going to help you do that. I'll do your basic documents for you, but I'm not going to help you under those circumstances. And I can't without my malpractice carrier getting pretty upset with me. So, <laughs> so anyway, just a good example. And I have another little one. I know we have to take a break uh, as it relates to this. Well, as you said, it comes down to timing and making sure that you're making decisions and planning efforts while times are good is a wonderful idea because the rules change, as we found in this example, when times are not so good. So if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, go to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com, or call 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, your parting shot for us today. Well, a parting shot, and it relates to this guy that I was talking about, he really didn't have anybody to appoint as a trusted agent. And it's better not to have an agent than to appoint a person who's not a trustworthy person. In other words, that you know is trustworthy because... There's a lot of graft that goes on, and if you give somebody the authority to take your money, there are people who will actually not act as a fiduciary and screw you to the wall, and that's uh, an important asset protection principle as well. If you want to get a hold of Bill, maybe you want to set up some legal documents or have your personal documents reviewed. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more. That's also where you can find more information about Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, March 9th. WGALaw.com is the website. We are out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend. Thanks so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.